Today, as, as Jeff pointed out, thank you so much, Jeff, for doing that. Um, I love to see uh, just brothers and sisters in the Lord share what's on their heart and what they're going through. And, and the book of Revelation, my goodness, just, ah, in the words of Ephesus, as Jesus is talking to them, how many of us forget just the simplistic aspect of loving Jesus and following him? And, uh, and if the first, one of the first churches did it, um, there's always a chance that we can do it as well. So thank you for those words of encouragement. Um, and I think today what we're looking at is an area that can, that can keep us from our first love, keep us from Jesus. Um, as we've been going through the book of Joshua, we've been looking at this concept of fearless life. What does it mean to be fearless? And, and not necessarily like, you know, you stand, you, I'm challenging to, to go down to, to East L.A. and stand before, a gang, you know, before gangbangers and just be like, I'm fearless, go ahead, do what you want. No, that's craziness. Okay, that's just crazy. Or, or you know, uh, uh, driving a car 120 miles an hour uh, on some mountain road. No, that's not the fearless we're talking about. We're talking about the fearlessness that we can get knowing the person of God and, and, and following the plan of God. The, the fearlessness that only comes when we can truly say, though you slay me, as Job said, right? I will serve the Lord. I will be, I, I'm going to serve God. I'm, I'm going to keep following Him. The Lord gives, the Lord takes us away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, as the martyrs went before and dealt with what they dealt with, which was pretty much death, they were able to live fearless for Jesus. They were able to have that purpose because they knew the person of God. And so today, there's this area that I want to hit, and we've been talking about a lot of different areas. If you missed any of them, you can always look at them up on, on iTunes or through our website if you've missed those and you want to check them out. I recommend it, especially Dr. Marks last week. I'm going to be referencing that. It's a great one. Um, but let me just say, this thing that, that we're going to talk about today, this area that can sap us from the fearless life that God has for us, it's that thing that keeps you from moving forward because you truly are afraid to move. It's that thing that keeps you from addressing the elephant in the room or maybe the giants in the promised land that God is calling you to. It's that thing that keeps you from dealing with those people at work. It's that thing that, that, that keeps you uh, uh, um, with, de- you know, not dealing with that sore subject, maybe with the spouse, or even that issue with your kids. Most of us go our whole life trying to avoid this area, which can cause us to fall even more. And we don't really learn how to deal with it properly. See, this area that must be overcome to live the fearless life is simply conflict. There's not very many people in this world that are like, I like conflict. Because if they do, they're probably freaks. You, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> they have a, they have an adre- they're like adrenaline junkies. You know, I, I knew a guy that, that, that didn't mind conflict, and he eventually got counseling, and that was good. <laughs> be, because conflict is, is not easy. Conflict is tough. But that doesn't mean we avoid it. And, and what we're going to look at today is you cannot avoid it. So how do, we, how do we live in this broken world? How do we live in conflict, but still trusting in God and trusting in His plan? Being fearless through the conflict. And I think the easiest way to truly look at this is, we're going to look at the passage of Joshua 14 and 15. I believe it's 14 and 15. Um, but we're going to look at it through the life of somebody that faced conflict on a daily basis, that, that lived his life amidst conflict, 
Not necessarily stuff that he created, but he did it in a fearless way. And that was Caleb, one of the spies, one of the main generals of Joshua's army, Caleb. So I want to look at him today to see how he faced conflict. See, Mark last week challenged us all to look at our hill country that lies before us. As, as the Israelites had to look at it, as they were taking the land, what, were, what was the hill country that was before them that was filled with conflict? Now, every single one of us has this because there's a hill country in our life. There, the conflict today that we all face in our families, jobs, marriages, child re- rearing, school classrooms, crowded freeways, etc. We will learn how to face it through Caleb. And so, This leads us to our take-home truth that I I really simply broke this down to one simple sentence. But it goes like this. In Christ, we are more than conquerors in any conflict we face. See, in Christ, we are more than conquerors in any conflict we face. Now that being said, um, we're going to go ahead and read out of the book of Joshua. So if you could please stand up for the reading of God's word in verse 6. It says this, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgah, and Caleb, son of Jephuniah, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old then, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and the children, your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 more years since the time he had said this to Moses, while Israel moved out in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. How many of you can say that at 85 years old? Okay, sorry. That's just, that's interesting. That's awesome. Um, I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Wow, you don't see a lot of 85-year-olds wielding a sword, okay? That's that's sweet. Um, anyway, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You're, you yourself heard that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as, as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Keziite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kirith Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Okay, you may be seated. A lot going on here, and so I do want to give you some of the history, but I really feel that this, this brings us to an understanding of what conflict is and how we need to deal with it. So, the shocker here, well first and foremost, let's start out with what, what we deal with with conflict and looking at conflict. First and foremost, we are all born into conflict and battle internally with it. Okay, Conflict is something that we're all born into. It's an internal battle. See, the shocker here, and this wouldn't be a shocker necessarily for us, because, and I'll try to relate it in a second, but Caleb's not a Jew. Now, if, if, if this was back then, and I were to say that, everybody would go, what? 
Right? Everybody, I mean, you'd be, you'd be shocked. You'd be surprised. There'd be like mouths opening and gasps and awes. And, but this isn't something necessarily we get. But see, back then, to say he wasn't a Jew and living amongst the Jews was a big deal. See, he's described in the passage as Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzites. Now, the, the Kenizzites were the sons of Esau and were related to the Edomites, okay? And which to, to most of us isn't, like, again, a big deal. But to the Jew, this was nuts. This was crazy. See, the Edomites were long-standing enemies of Israel. Throughout most of the history of their relationship, they fought. They did not like each other. To say that is kind of putting it mild. They hated each other. They hated, they tried to kill each other. If they met on the open road, there would usually be a battle. It's like having the prime minister of Iran be a Jew. I think that's the easiest way to put it. You get where I'm going? It's like having one of the Hatfields marry one of the McCoys. Like having a Montague marry a Capulet. It's like having a vice president who is the nephew of Osama bin Laden. You, you, I'm trying to put it into modern day parallels or in a, you know literary parallel. I mean, this is what it was. It's it's not an easy thing. I mean, you you got to understand. Here he is. He's he he's not born into this tribe, and yet he's in this tribe. So how many people might have said, "There's Caleb. He's not even one of us. He's not even a Jew. He's not even related. He's one of those Edomites. He was born outside of the covenant people." He's born outside of the tribe. See, the struggle of being an outsider, the one who looks different, the one in that day who doesn't exactly fit in or act like us or them. He didn't ask to be born an Edomite. He's born into it. He's born into this outsider aspect. And there's tr- the truth is, I don't think I have to... Laid out for you too far, but I really feel we're all born to some extent into this internal struggle of conflict. We are all born into something that makes us an outsider, that where we feel as an outsider or where we deal with this internal conflict. Maybe you were adopted, and even though you have an awesome family, the truth is you have this struggle of going, "Mm, but they're not my real parents. I know one of the things my wife shared of her, her, her real dad, she really never got to know him. And there's always, and not that she really struggled with it at the end, I mean, she really gave it to the Lord, but there's that idea of growing up and not having that biological father and that outside, and, not, and she didn't ask for that. Maybe it's more of a loneliness thing with you. Maybe at work or at school. Or even in your family, you struggle with the fact that people don't really know you and the conflict is real, internal, and struggle, and it's, it's something you were born into. Caleb knew what it was to be born into conflict and battle internally. Secondly, we want to look at this other aspect of conflict is we will all struggle with conflict externally or outside of ourselves. We're always going to deal with this conflict outside of ourselves. What's interesting is you look at verse 7. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. Right? He says, look, I was 40 years old. And if you remember, from when Moses sends in the spies, he sends in Caleb and Joshua and the other ones. Do you remember their names? No, you shouldn't because they're not important. (laughs) They're in there, but they're not important. Nobody remembers those guys. You know why? Because they blew it. They came back saying, oh, it's filled with giants. 
We need to turn away. There's no way we can take the land. And only Caleb and Joshua came back going, no. no. I mean, yeah, it's filled with giants. Yeah, it's crazy. But God's given us this land. We can do this. Their hearts hadn't melted from fear because they were trusting in the person and the plan of God. But who did the people listen to? Them? As they told their, we can do this. With God, we can do it. No, they listened to the other spies who were like, it's too hard. We need to run away, turn away. So, here's Caleb who trusted God. But his, his voice is drowned out from the outside, by those outside of his control. He and Joshua had to wander the desert for another 40 years, dreaming about the land that God had shown them and was ready to give them. I mean, think of that. As he slept in his temporary tent, maybe there's a, a slit in it or a hole in the, in the skin of the tent, and he's looking up at it going, I could have had a house! Right? I could be sitting in the promised land right now. But no, I've got to tear this whole thing down because in the morning we're traveling another 20 miles to go somewhere in the wilderness that I didn't want. It's outside of his control. We can be forced to wander in the wilderness of financial debt for countless years even though we're being faithful with our money right now. We can wander in the wilderness of our children choosing to walk away from God and struggle and seeing them suffer even though we gave them everything that God told us to give them. We can wander in the struggle of job cuts and layoffs no matter how good of an employee we were. It doesn't matter because when it comes down to it it's outside choices. It's outside of our control. Conflict is not something you ask for. It'll come to you. And many times it'll come to you because of others' choices. You see, even though I've done all the right things and eaten well and exercised, I am still struggling in the conflict of poor health that is outside my control. Like Caleb, we will struggle with conflict outside ourselves. Lastly, we will all constantly face conflict in this broken world. We will constantly face it. See, here's a man that's born into conflict, that deals with conflict continually, right? He's 80 years old. He gets to the promised land. Okay, Caleb, you're a general. Fight. 80 years old. Five years of fighting in the promised land. He's 85. If anyone deserves a rest, it's Grandpa Caleb, right? I mean, let's be honest. The guy deserves a rest. He deserves it. But he knows. He knows that conflict is something you're going to deal with until you're dead. See, if we're honest with ourselves, we know this is the case. I I remember as I was brought into full-time ministry about 13, 14 years ago at, at a church uh, not too far from here up in the mountains. And and I remember I was I was a really naive guy when it came to church ministry. You know, it was kind of one of those things I looked at church ministry like, oh, it's the, it's the promised land, you know? Like, oh, I'm going to be a full-time pastor and, and there's going to never be problems. Yeah, right. As if there's no such thing as conflict in the church. No. That's not the truth. I mean, many have been there, right? I mean, come on, don't get me wrong. Maybe you're like me. Now, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm just one of them crazy guys. But I used to think when I was a kid, man, I'll get married one day and everything will be perfect. <laughs> I'll have kids and then I... I don't even got to finish that one, right? 
I mean, come on, I'll get the career that I want. No, I mean, there's always gonna be conflict. And I remember as I got into this church gig, I was like, yes. And I sat there in the first year, there was a leader that came up and was making a hard, uh, um, uh, just bringing conflict like crazy to leaders, the main pastor, and even me. He was picking on me and saying things about me that weren't true. And I'm like, who is this guy? I mean, I was the crazy, fun uncle of the church. I was the youth pastor, right? Everybody loves the youth pastor. They're the fun uncle. You know, they come in at the last minute and be like, hey, do some magic tricks. Peace out. They're the Gandalf of the party, right? They've got the fireworks and everyone runs like, yeah, this guy wanted me done. He wanted me out. He wanted to fire me. I'm like, what did I do? You know, I was totally hurt. And I remember sitting in a big powwow uh, with, with, with three of the pastors at the church and we were sitting there going, what do we do? And, you know, everyone, and I'm sitting there going, I don't know, I'm looking to you guys. You've been in this a lot longer than me and this guy hurt me and this is conflict. This is really hard. And the one guy that had been there really a long time, just a wise, a wise storyteller of a guy. I wish I could say it exactly how he said it, but I'm going to paraphrase because I'll never forget, you know, the idea of what he said. And he said this, he said, you know, I actually am glad we are dealing with this conflict. And we're all like, what? You're glad? You're happy? What are you talking about? He says, listen, because we know this one. <laughs> I, I can walk around this one. I can smell it coming. I can see it. I know exactly what's going on. I know this conflict. I can touch it. But what I'm really worried about is we all know there's another one coming after this. And I don't know that conflict. So I'm just going to look forward to helping, like walking with God and dealing with this one. Because that next one, that's the one I'm scared of. I don't know what that conflict's going to be. Because it might be bigger than me, I don't know. And it's the unknown that scares me. See, the truth is, he knew that this is just one of many. And being there at that church 10 years, I, I experienced a lot more conflict. And I look back and go, that one was easy. Because <laughs> there was a lot more that I didn't know about. But the truth is, it's going to hit you. See, we will face it constantly. Let, let me give you an idea here. Because because the conflict of will my pregnancy and delivery go safely then becomes the conflict of can we get up every few hours and give our baby what she needs as it becomes am I disciplining correctly as they go through these terrible twos and they just told me they hated me, my own child. And now they have lied to me. I mean, my little seven-year-old princess actually lied to my face. And now they don't want to hold my hand as we walk to their seventh grade class at their middle school parent-teacher night because I am uncool. And man, I'm struggling because it's 10.30 and she was supposed to be home 30 minutes ago and she has only had her license for a few months. And she's now having marital struggles with her husband, and this conflict is something I never foresaw coming in their life. And now, they just lost their son, our grandson, to a car accident. And no matter what I do, I can't reach my daughter as she struggles through this. <laughs> I don't know why this is made up, but I'm crying. <laughs> but the truth is, that's conflict. And if it's not when they're little, it'll be when they're older. I mean, it's going to constant. That's conflict. Caleb knew this. Caleb got this. And Caleb didn't shy away from it. You will face it. I think Jesus says it perfectly. He says, and when you face trials of many kind, when the storm rages, I mean, he puts it in so many different ideas, so many parables, so many metaphors, but the truth is, it's going to happen. 
you're going to get nailed with conflict. How will you live the fearless life through it? It's constant, it's internal, and it's outside of our control. But this is what makes the difference with Caleb, and this is why we point to him, and this is why we look at him as a saint in our faith. He says this in in verse 8, or right before verse 8, he says, I, however, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I did what God told me to do. I looked to the person of God, and I followed his plan for me. And that is what made all the difference. See, there were two roads that were before me. And I picked that one, and it made all the difference. This is what God has set up. And Caleb was a person of the promised land. He was a promised land person. And we can proclaim the same truth today in the midst of the conflict that you face. Because we have a God who meets the conflict head on, the conflict of sin, the conflict of death, by His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what the cross represents. God doesn't try to ignore the conflict or sweep it under the rug or, 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 or look at it. I'm not, I'm not like, like a little kid, you know. You're, I'm a, it, conflict's not here. I can't see it, so it must not be here. No, He deals with it in a gruesome, bloody way. But He overcomes it in the resurrection. And He says to us, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And if you follow me, see, that's the conflict breaker, the conflict dealer that deals through it. And so what I'd love to do is I'd love for us to look at in Christ, how can we be more than conquerors? Because look at look at First Peter 12 through 13. I love what what uh, what he says about his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, God says this, the hopeless conflict, beating the vicious cycle, right? 12, 13, Peter is reminding us, he's reminding the people in the church, he says, friends, when life gets really difficult, when you face conflict, basically, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job, that God doesn't care, that this is too big for him. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. Do you get that? It's not just that let me pray and it'll go away. No, it's let me pray to the God that walked through this already. And the God that through the power of His Holy Spirit is going to take my hand and walk with me. Walk with me right now in this conflict. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner, Peter says. So how, how do we do this? How do we live in Christ as more than conquerors? Well, I'm going to put you to three things very quickly. The first is this. Fearless living means we accept the adoption in God's family unconditionally. This is what Caleb did. Caleb, Caleb got this, all right? Um, by the way, in Israel, there was no such thing as a 13th tribe. There weren't the 12 tribes of Israel and the 13th, which were all the red-headed stepchild. Okay, sorry if you're red hair. I don't mean to... I have... Red hair in my family, so I feel like I can say that, all right? My brother has red hair. So anyway, um, so one of the things is, is it's not like a 13th tribe, like, oh, all you Gentiles, you go over here. All, all, you, all you Gentiles, you're in this 13th tribe, and that's where you guys are, and we're the people over here, and you're just kind of the ones we don't all talk to or talk about. And when, when we have a party, we don't invite you guys. No, that's, that's not it. There was no special category. 
There was no special category for them. They adopted them right into the tribes that already were. And this was Caleb. See, Caleb was accepted as an adopted member of the tribe. The tribe of Judah, of all the tribes. He came from a broken family, in a broken home. And the Edomites were horrible. I mean, there was a lot of crud going on with them. But they, but they adopted him into their family. And the crazy thing is, is he, he's in the royal tribe of Judah. The kingly tribe. So he's counted as kind of a prince of the Jews. And he's not even Jewish. The nerve of this guy, right? But that's the way God is. He brings us in and calls us princes and princesses of the king. See, so he joins a long line of people who were adopted in and made royalty. Rahab, the prostitute. Ruth, the Moabitess. All in the line of Jesus, the king of kings. And Jesus wasn't afraid to call them great, 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 great grandma. And he's not afraid to call you brother and sister. That's the amazing thing. I love what Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. He says, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master Jesus Christ and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to what? Adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What a pleasure, he says. I mean, Paul just puts this in parentheses. What a pleasure he had in thinking of this, doing this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. One of the hardest things I dealt with with kids is they would hide stuff. I don't know if you remember doing this as a kid or have kids or teenagers. Or, you know, they, would, they would do things and they, they would have this almost like the secret life. And I'd be like, you know, God sees everything and he still loves you. And it's hard for us to remember that. <laughs> it's like, why would God want to adopt me when he knows who I really am? Because he loves you. And honestly, that's why he gave his son Jesus. So that those things that you're so guilty of and ashamed of, you can have put on the cross with Jesus Christ because he's adopted you because he loves you and he knows everything and he chooses to forgive you that's the God we have he's accepted you into the adoption through Jesus how can you be afraid oh death where is your sting Paul quotes Caleb knew this and it made all the difference secondly Fearless living means we boldly seek the Lord's promises and blessing. See, I love what Caleb does. He comes in and he says, Give me my blessing that was promised me. Give me Hebron. Now again, this is another thing where you guys would be like, What? Oh no, he didn't. Right? That's the truth. But we don't really know. See, Hebron is like the Bel Air of Israel. You getting it? Hebron is the Nob Hill of Israel. I'm trying to, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, you know, the really nice houses up here in Redlands, you know what I'm talking about, right? Country Club Way. That's the Hebron. That's Hebron. This was the wooded, hilly country that was like the highest, about 3,000 feet up, so it was cooler than the rest. It would get more rain. It would get more, I mean, it was awesome. This is Hebron. And he says, I want it because I, God told me, He promised me wherever I, and that's what I want. 
boldly going before and claiming it. Let me just say, God is looking for men and women who will enter boldly before Him and claim the land of a godly marriage. A marriage that is as beautiful as Hebron was. Will there be giants of conflict? Oh, you betcha. But God's throne of grace is bigger and He's looking for people who will boldly seek Him. I love what Paul, or, well, we think it's Paul that wrote it, but in the book of Hebrews, he says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence, or with boldness, that's the word, to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Caleb got it. He boldly went before. God is looking for young people who are going to boldly seek him in their schools. What is the hill country of conflict that God has brought you to boldly? Will you take his blessing? This is the goal. To follow God. Will you boldly do it? Lastly, fearless living means we face conflict knowing Jesus has already conquered. Now, this is the thing, because again, Caleb sought Hebron, and Hebron, so beautiful. You know why no one had taken Hebron yet? Because there were Anakites in it. And again, everybody should go, What? No way! The children and the sons of Anak... They're nuts. See, the Anakim were giants. Okay? They had been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. They were called a number of different things in the Old Testament because they were scary. One of them, uh, the Moabites called them the Imim, which, which was literally the horrible ones or the terrors. And now if that's your name, right? What, what tribe are you from? I'm from the sons of terror, right? You're some, saying something there. The horrible ones. Others called them the Rephaim, the shades or ghostly ones, because you'd be dead before it was too late. The shadowy ones, the mysterious ones. They are described throughout Scripture as terrible giants. One of them was named Og. Og had a bed that was six feet wide, twelve feet long. And by the way, if you're like, oh, that's just one of them biblical myths, there's bones of the Anakim in the English museum. A femur bone of one of them is about nine feet tall. Nine feet tall. It's ridiculous. <laughs> In fact, the Pentateuch had a question Who can stand before the Anakim, the sons of Anak? Because they're almost impossible to conquer. Is there anything in your life that seems impossible? Because don't we serve a God that makes the impossible possible? See, what should be in my life, I shouldn't have kids. I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't have been married for almost 17 years. There's a lot of things that my life should be, and it isn't what it is right now. But you know why it is what it is right now? And I thank God every day, and I'm blessed beyond all, is because God's given it to me. God has conquered it. In my addictions, He already beat them. In my past, He destroyed that which was supposed to make my future. And my question is simple. I mean, God's brought you to a place. You see the conflict. Who could possibly win? Those giants are massive. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's job. Maybe it's your future. I don't know, but God knows. Are you going to boldly claim the blessing that God's brought you to? Are you going to accept the adoption as He is my 
Father, my Heavenly Father. He won't let me go. And are you going to realize that it's already conquered? See, God has already conquered that habit that has left you desolate for so long. That anger issue that stomps around the land of your family for so long has already been conquered by Jesus. That smelly ogre of self-doubt and feelings of insecurity has already been given the death blow by the King of Kings, Jesus. The fear of failure that has crushed so many opportunities and stood in the front of you for so many years has already been cut down by the sword of the Spirit. Because, again, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Don't, Don't miss that. He doesn't just say Jesus, he says Christ, which is his place, the King, King Jesus, my Father. Now's the time to look at the ABCs of God's truth of conflict. My hope is that you face conflict as Caleb faced it, adopted and accepted. Boldly seeking the promise and knowing that the that it's already con- conquered. Let's go before Him, Lord. We thank you. We we thank you that that you have already done the work that we couldn't do. The forest is massive. Lord, the truth is that we, <laughs> when we come to the hill and we see the, the giants resting there in our marriage or wherever we are in our school and our life and whatever it is, maybe it's that internal thing that we're struggling with or something that someone's done to us outside of us, outside of our control. Or maybe it's just this constant thing that's been battering us. God, we, we need to look at the fact that you have already done it. You are bigger You are more powerful than anything that assails us. For there's nothing in heaven or on earth. No powers, no principalities. Nothing that can take us from the love of our Father. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you have already won May we just claim that. May we live in that. And may we face the conflict knowing that you are awesome and you are doing it. So Lord, we just thank you. And I pray that if there's anybody here that's struggling with these issues, that have never really looked at this in in, in this context, Lord, that they would stick around and we could pray for them and we can lead them again just continually to your arms. Because that's what the church is about. Your bride meeting with the groom, Jesus Christ. We thank you. We know you're doing a work in us and through us to live a fearless life.